Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Right now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, pick up a bottle of Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale for $7.99. Plus, earn double O rewards points. Help your engine run smoother and last longer with Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Log Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome to Finsider Radio. This is MC Money, and I'm joined by certain uh, creepy soccer dad. And tonight, unfortunately, Houts, MD, Houts Dramas, and Houts, I don't know what I'm talking about, cannot join us because he is with his wife as they go and tour the hospital for the birth of their upcoming child, or the upcoming birth of their child, I should probably say. And, And... you know, if I'm out, a little out of whack tonight, it's because I still have a hangover from Sunday in terms of really bad football on Sunday. And so, and I know you were there at the game at MetLife Stadium. And, man, just take us through what you experienced from the time you got there, from the time you set up your tailgate, who you tailgated with, everything that went down, everything, everything around you, the game. The game was not a game from the beginning. You could tell right away. But this team was not in it. But it felt like they would turn it around. But then as the game went on and on and into the halftime, it was just an absolute mess. Yeah, got to give a quick shout-out to Kathy D'Amato and Jake Mendel, who met up with me at the tailgate. And uh, so it was definitely fun. Like, there was 
there was great energy from Dolphins fans in the parking lot for sure. I mean, I, I think coming into this game, a lot of confidence, and I was one of the big torch holders of that movement, and I I felt very confident going into this game. And boy, this was sure a game that swept the the rug out from under you. But just to look around the week two landscape of the NFL, I mean, you saw Jacksonville beat Baltimore forty four to seven. You saw the Jet the Jets beat us. You saw Buffalo beat Denver. They put up twenty six points against that Denver defense. You saw Chicago beat Pittsburgh in overtime. So it was just kind of a weird week in the NFL, but man, that was a soul-searching ride home, that's for sure. It was a weird weekend, and you know, for me, it was a little bit of a relaxing Sunday in terms of my aunt had invited me and my cousins on her boat, so I was watching the game on my phone for half the time on the way there as I was driving, and then, of course, watching on my phone the rest of the time on the boat, Um, but but it made things a bit better because I'm out on the ocean and on Long Island Sound on a boat and the Dolphins are getting smashed and I'm drinking lots of beer. And the more the Dolphins are getting smashed, the more beer I'm drinking. And, and it was, it sucked. It sucked. And we're going to break it down. We're going to kind of talk about tonight, you know, where the problems were in the game. And, and you're right. You were a torch bearer, but I was a bigger torch bearer. I tweeted out a few days before the game that I saw there was absolutely no way the Dolphins would lose that game. I mean, just looking at the Jets roster, just looking at the matchups. I mean, if you go by yeah. matchups based on that game, and we talked about that last week and how everyone matched up with each other, there's no way the Dolphins should have lost this game. It's just, it's sick. It's as sick that they yeah. lost the game the way they did. Yeah, the talent doesn't compare, and it's still really disheartening to look back at that game. But it was really hard as a fan of that game, there's never, there's never an opportunity to really get into it. I mean, it was just such a flat game from an emotional standpoint, that entire game. It, it was, it was hard as a fan because there, there was, you had nothing to root for basically from the get go. I mean, Cam Wake had that sack, the very first uh, defensive uh, stand that we had. And then after that, the defense had two straight offside penalties, and then later the the offense would have two straight false start penalties, and it's like, oh, my God. And this horror show just unveiled where it's the old Dolphins shooting ourselves in the foot, doing everything we can to lose the game, and that's, that's exactly how it transpired, and hopefully this is rock bottom for us. Yeah, so, you know, we talk about the defense. We talk about the offense. Here's what Adam Gase had to say about the Jets game and you know this was earlier today when he met with the media and the question was this without giving anything with the game plan away did you after thinking about things the last 48 hours do you feel just minor tweaking is needed or do you feel like something more significant is needed here's what he had to say when you express your frustration with how the offense has looked the other day it's part of it that you I think we need to play better on offense I know that, um, you know, the defense did a great job, kept us in the game as long as they could. I mean, time of possession was way off, way off base. We just can't, we can't do that to those guys. And we're, we're, we're wasting, wasting snaps with, with our defense because they're getting off the field. I mean, their third down was good and 
you know, for us to just keep throwing them back out there is just really, it's going to, you know, it's like last year, it just eventually catches up to you. And then at the end of the year, you know, we kind of started turning it on on offense. And then all of a sudden, our defense was exhausted because they were going 75, 80 plays a game. And that's why we need to be, if we can be balanced and stay on the field and figure out a way to convert some third downs, that's going to give us our best chance because when our defense is fresh, you know, they, they can do some damage. So you hear there Adam Gase talking about whether or not the offense needs a little tweaking. And sorry about that little mix up there at the beginning there. was switching audio there. And that cell phone ring was not me, by the way, or something. That was during the press conference, one of the reporters. But, but Adam Gase said the time of possession, first of all. And when you really start to understand the game of football, the time of possession is hugely important. And also flipping the field is hugely important. It's a, it's a battle of field position throughout every single game. And you need to get into the flow of the game. You need to get into a rhythm. And you're not going, you shouldn't expect every single time the Dolphins have the football for them to score. But here's the thing. You know, many coaches split the football fields up into four quadrants. You go from the zero to the 25 is the first quadrant on your own tw- zero to 25. Then you go from the 25 to the 50, your side of the field. That's the second quadrant. You cross midfield and you go from the 50 to the 25 on the opponent's side. And then, of course, from the 25 to the end zone. And many coaches throughout the NFL break up their play call sheets based on the four quadrants of the field. And we're going to listen in a little bit about how Adam Gase, you know, looks at third and eight from your own 15 in your first quadrant. And if, if you're starting in your first quadrant, which is in this case, you know, let's look at Sunday. The Dolphins were at the Jets 15-yard line, 10-yard line after receiving the punt. Well, it's hard to move an offense every single time, 80, 85 yards, 90 yards. So what the goal becomes then is if you get out of that first quadrant and let's say into the second quadrant close to midfield, right? But then you stall out. That's okay because you expect then your punter to pin the opponent back in their first quadrant. And then it becomes a game of field position. Now the, now the Jets and the opponents backed up. Now you need to stop them in their own first quadrant. They punt the ball. Since they're so far back in their first quadrant or is still in their first quadrant, they punt the ball to your third quadrant. You take it in there. You get close to midfield. You push it into the uh, third quadrant for you and possibly into the fourth quadrant, and then you score a field goal or a touchdown. And if I confuse you with the different quadrants, I apologize, but just kind of visualize that. And that's how coaches view the game. And that's how fans should view the game too. And you, trust me, you will enjoy the game a lot more if you do that. But back to his quote, the time of possession, that's huge. You don't want your defense constantly on the field because there's only so much these guys can take. They're humans. And if you're going three and out on offense, sending your defense back out, your defense having to be out there for, let's say, eight different plays, then they force the punt. Then your offense comes out three and out again, and then your defense comes back out. Eventually, that's going to catch up to them, and the opponent's going to score. And we saw that on Sunday. And Adam Gason, in this quote, at the end of the year, last year, they started turning it on an offense. But since their defense was on the field so much throughout the entire season, playing 75, 80 snaps a game, they, they were done. They were burnt out by the end of the year. So the Dolphins must get balanced. They were balanced against the Chargers. They did a fantastic job. They did absolutely terrible against the Jets. They need to turn it around in London against the Saints. 
Sutton, for you, you know, as you as a fan, you looking at the offense, you, you watching the game, the way I explained it, and just the offense in general. And we're going to get to Adam Gase's play calling in a second. But, but for you, just looking at that offense on Sunday, anything stick out to you that maybe you could take away as a positive? Well, quadrant is sounding dangerously close to quarterback, so I hope you keep using that word. <laughs> we will, we will. <laughs> but to speak to your point, I mean, at, at, I believe late in the third quarter, we had only had three first downs. We had only had one play in Jets territory. So we just could not get the momentum that we needed. And as Gase called it, rhythm, if you want to call it chemistry, whatever, we could not string together multiple plays in a row that was productive for this offense. You know, there there was a point in the second quarter where we had uh, a little bit of momentum, and then Jay Ajayi has a nice, like, eight-yard run, uh, setting up third and two, I believe, and then a late flag comes in. Kenny Stills gets called for blocking the back, and then all of a sudden, it's it's back to second and long, third and long. And then you had a, a spot in the second quarter where Jarvis Landry, tough catch, but a catch that you would expect Jarvis to make right at the first down marker would have been a third and 12 conversion. He drops that pass. And when you can't get a couple of those plays, you get no rhythm. And that's what Gase was saying. He couldn't get in any kind of rhythm because – it was always something coming up. Like I said earlier, we just shot ourselves in the foot to the offense. Man, it looks it looks bleak when we can't get Jay Ajayi going. And then when you couple the fact that our wide receivers weren't getting great separation on Sunday, that was a recipe for disaster. We saw that play out in devastating effect. Now let's talk about a little about, about a rhythm and so forth and the play calling. Here's what Adam Gates had to say. It's a two-minute clip, so sit back and listen, grab a beer, do whatever you got to do during these two minutes, but just really listen in to what Adam Gates has to say because, for me, it's a little bit of a trend here for the past two seasons. Listen up. When you express your frustration with how the offense has looked the other day, is part of it that you'd like to just be a little more creative with it? Do you not see enough creativity in what you've been doing? Sometimes you feel that way, and... Really, it's it's when we get into too many mental errors, or, or it's just not being executed the way that we we think it should be, and we're just not in a good rhythm. Whether it be you know a series of bad play calls, or we, we screw some things up, just some kind of consistency, just overall, you know, the whole big picture of everything, and we just haven't had that. You know, first week I thought it was it was okay, but. You know, we hit something, a couple, couple deals in the red zone, and maybe we feel better about it. But you know, last game was just a disaster, and it just wasn't very good. And you know, we're all taking part of the blame. We, none of us, none of us were good, and we just have to be better. How would you evaluate your play call in the first couple of games? I felt the first game. I, I, I know I was, I, I was mad that I couldn't find. That one or one or two things in the first half to really get us going, you know, I was I was trying to get one with with Jarvis and, and felt good about it. We we felt good about it all week, and we didn't get it, get what we wanted, and you know, it's just it's like 
when you get the opportunities and you, and you miss it, it's hard to get the, the second one. It's hard to come back the, the next play and be like, all right, now we're going to score a touchdown. So because you put yourself behind, all of a sudden now it's second and ten, and then you're third and eight, and it's hard to – there's not a lot of great play calls third and eight from the 15. It's just the defense has a good advantage there. And last week it was just third down was a disaster. I mean, that's that's obvious, and it's embarrassing. And – you know, whether it was it was it was always something. Something was always whether it was play call, execution, we don't finish the play, whatever it is, it was just the whole thing was a mess. So there you have it in terms of him talking about his play calling and the mental errors and not getting into a rhythm. Sutton, we hear this a lot from Adam Gates, dating back to week one of the twenty sixteen season. And Adam Gase likes to blame himself a lot. When is Adam Gase going to figure it out in terms of play calling? And I know he's taking the blame for the players. I understand that. But at some point, you got to stop making excuses for why your play calling is so bad. Am I off base here? I mean, it is kind of a messy situation because I've looked into – how we've done in the first quarter a couple of years, and this is a Philbin year and a Adam Gase year, and we're not very good. We're the worst in the NFL, and there's not much difference between how we did under Philbin and not much difference how we did under Gase, and we're coming out to too slow a start. I mean, it's – but – you know, we're a second-half team. That's what I kept saying at the game. Oh, yeah, we're a second-half team. We're only down 10 nothing. Not a big deal. And then nothing transpired in the second half either. I'm not that worried about Adam Gase's play calling, to be perfectly honest with you. And like he said, and you just alluded to it, he's going to fall on the sword for his players. Um, but there is a blurry line between play calling and execution. And you could call the greatest play in the world, but if it's not executed, it doesn't show up in the box score. And vice versa, you can call a horrible play, get bailed out by a player, and make it look awesome. So it it works both ways. Um, But with his play calling specifically, and I'll, I'll just take you back to the very first play, the third quarter. I don't know if anybody remembers this play, if it stands out to anybody else. But the view that I had, I had a vertical view of the game. And I had a perfect view of how this play developed. And it was a it was a fake handoff to Jay Ajayi, and it was a bootleg. Uh, slight bootleg, not, not a whole lot of quarterback action, but he did roll out to his right. And Kenny Stills is there in the middle of the field, and Jay Cutler underthrows him. If he hits that pass, and I mean, Kenny Stills has – yards and yards and yards all around him. He has one defender between him and the and the end zone, and we know how elusive Kenny Stills can be. So I want to trust my playmaker in that position. If he makes that pass, we're looking at a different ball game. So that's where the difference is with play calling and execution. That was a great play call, in my opinion. That That was the play that had been set up the whole game with – the way they'd been running Jay Ajayi with those kind of halfback slams into the B-gap, they 
put out a perfect play action pass play call and it wasn't executed properly. So it doesn't show, it shows up as an incompletion. But when you saw that play developed, you thought, wow, this, this could be something and it materialized into nothing. So it, it's hard to fault Adam Gase all in, and of, all in and of himself, even though and that's what he wants it to be. Um, but the the blame has to go across the board, and I think he would agree with that. Yeah, for the Miami Dolphins on, on the offensive side of the ball on Sunday, they they didn't get anything going really on offense. J.H.I. was stuffed from the very first time he touched the ball, 11 of 16 or 11 attempts for 16 yards, average of one and a half yards per carry. They got to a point where they just took him out of the game. It wasn't even worth keeping him in there anymore because they were so far behind. Jay Cutler, 44 attempts, only 26 completions, 220 yards sacked three times, one touchdown, one interception, quarterback rating of 70.3. The Dolphins also had, in my opinion, an ill-advised fake punt. I know they were desperate. At that time, I don't, I don't think that it was the right thing to do at that point. Uh, I don't coach in the NFL. I, I work in public relations, so there's a reason, you know, why, why that is. But, uh, you know, if it was me coaching, I probably wouldn't have called that fake punt there. But looking further down, Devontae Parker targeted 10 times. Jarvis Landry was targeted 11 times, most on the team, pulled in six receptions, 48 yards. Parker pulled in 76 yards on eight receptions. He continues to have that sort of chemistry with Jay Cutler there. Hopefully that continues to develop. Kenny Stills targeted 10 times, four receptions, 51 yards. Julius Thomas, who we're going to talk about a little later in the show, five targets, three receptions, 16 yards only. You would think that he'd have a bigger impact at this point, but Adam Gase says there is a reason for that, and we're going to get to that a little later. But, you know, you look at the Jets' offense, and the Dolphins did do a pretty decent job in terms of individual rushers holding them to not much, but they did as a team total allow 103 yards. So overall, you know, you look at that and you say, that's not great. You don't want to allow a hundred yard rusher, especially to a pathetic offense like the jets, but you know, the jets are running it the entire second half and a defense was tired for the jets. The leading receiver, Roby Anderson, six targets, three receptions for 95 yards. A long of 69 yards against none other than Alteron Werner, who many fans were calling for. And then he comes into the game and he gives up a touchdown on his first um, target towards uh, Werner there. So, yeah, that was not good. And, and it was just a pathetic, pathetic display of offense throughout the entire game. And thank you for that breakdown, Sutton, on, on that one play. I'm trying to pull up some stats right now in terms of, you know, from pro well, football. Well, and keep, yeah, keep, keep this in mind, though, that the score was 20 to nothing before this offense did anything. So yeah. any offensive stats you see out there, you have to put an asterisk next to it. I'm sorry, but you have to. It was clear prevent defense. It was, um, it was very, very disappointing. Uh, right to be in that mode for so long in the fourth quarter. And then even when he did drive Jay Cutler through that pick with like four and a half minutes left, and there were a couple other plays in the fourth quarter that went down that just blew any momentum that we had. So just take any offensive stats that we had with a grain of salt. It was 
not good. Let's talk about the offensive line, Sutton. And the offensive line right now is an absolute hot mess. The only guy playing well is kind of a surprise, but he did have a strong ending to last season, and that would be Jawan James. But the second straight week, right tackle Jawan James had a PFF grade of 80.6. He was the highest graded player on the offensive side of the ball. He has allowed just one quarterback hurry and 85 pass blocking snaps on the season, and his overall grade of 84.7 ranks sixth for all tackles in the league. His 86.5 pass blocking grade ranks fourth for all tackles. On the opposite side of the line, and we talked about this a little bit last week, Laramie Tunsil had another tough afternoon against the Jets. He allowed four quarterback hurries. His overall grade of 49.5 ranked 47th of all tackles for week three. For the season, his grade is 45.6. His pass blocking grade is 43.7. His run blocking grade is 50.1. So that is something you don't want to see, especially since you had such high hopes for a guy like Laramie Tunsil and for this offensive line possibly gelling together. And it's really, it's, it's disappointing to see this come along like this. And especially, you know, I think the biggest disappointment for me is Tunsil. And if we look at Tunsil compared to the rest of the NFL, he is, let me just pull this up here. Jawan James, first of all, is ranked sixth out of all tackles throughout the NFL, according to Pro Football Focus. Laramie Tunsil is not even showing up on this list here, but I, but I do think that's a mistake, and I'll get to that in just a little bit. But the rest of the offensive line, when, when you look at the player grades, according to Pro Football Focus, you have Anthony Steen at left guard, and I do think a change might be coming there with Jesse Davis coming along. He has a grade of 51.7. That is poor. His position rank is 39. His 2016 grade is 49.2. So, yeah, it's a little, um, a little improvement, but based on his 2016 grade, you kind of knew what you were going to get. For all the hype about Mike Pouncey, his overall grade right now is 44.9. When you look at historically the years he has thrived, 2015 his grade was a 78, 77. His 2016 grade was a 63. Uh, the lowest he ever had besides the 44.9 he has right now is 2014 when he had 46.2. His highest ever was 83.5 in 2012. So that is something to kind of watch. Jermon Bushrod, 37.1. And again, when you look at last year's pro football focus grade for him, last year's grade was 39.2. It's a tremendous drop off for Bushrod. From 2011 to 2015, he was in the 70s. Uh, 2011 almost to 80, 2012 to 2015, low 70s. But then he drops off from a 71 in 2015 to a 39 in 2016. I mean, that's just incredible. I mean, but what are you going to do? The Dolphins have nobody on the offensive line who they can stick in and replace. They're not going to take out Tunsil. They can put Jesse Davis at left guard instead of Steen. Who are they going to put there at right guard? Isaac Asiano, the guy can't even be active on game day. You're not going to take out Pouncey for all the work that they've done with him and the money they're paying him. I don't know what to do about the offensive line, Sutton. I don't know if you have any suggestions on what you've seen or, or what you think could happen. Uh, yeah, the offensive line is yet another messy situation. And unfortunately, one of the byproducts of this Jets game is that it invites way more questions than we have answers for. And so there's tons of questions across this whole football team. 
offensive line definitely being one of them. One of the questions that we considered as a Finsider Radio team going into the season was not the talent of the offense, but did they have enough reps together? Because Mike Pouncey hadn't been practicing with them. We weren't sure about the guard situation. You know, we knew about Tunsil. And honestly, Juwan James has been a pleasant surprise this year. He has been, yeah. And I thought some of the tape that I watched last year, that Juwan James is one of the worst offensive linemen that we've had, but he's really stepped up his game. So want to definitely acknowledge that. Um, but we're starting to see how the lack of reps together during the off season with this offense, how that's playing out, unfortunately. And, and that Jets game, not being able to get J.H.I. going it's not like we were just running one play like Tech Mobile, okay? We were running different huh. run schemes here. We're running off tackle. We're running into the B-gap. We're running dives. We're running out of shotgun. We're trying different things, and there was just not much room for JGIE to work with. And when that doesn't happen, and – now, I'll admit that Jay Cutler, he got popped in the mouth earlier in the game, and yeah. I don't think that he – I don't think he climbed the pocket as well that he as he could have on a couple of those plays. But on some plays, that he did. So, I'm a little bit reluctant to put this game on the offensive line just because there were plays to be had. There really were. And we just didn't make them. And I don't think the lack of us making them was on the offensive line. Now, I know the offensive line did some stupid stuff during that game with the (laughs) two false starts in a row. Um, That was not cool. But I can't put this game on the offensive line. There There were plays to be had, and we just didn't make them. And we need to do a better job when those opportunities do open up we need to take advantage of them, and we just didn't do that enough on Sunday. The offensive line does need to get better. Uh, Jesse Davis and, and Anthony Steen split reps there. Jesse Davis played 38% of the snaps, and uh, Steen played 62%. Jesse Davis didn't fare much better. Overall grade of 42.6, according to Pro Football Focus, and, and there's no stats on him from last year. Of course, his pass block grade, 41.5, run block, 43.2. I hate to say it, but the Dolphins kind of miss uh, Ted Larson there, which is really crazy to say. It just shows you the state of the Dolphins are with their offensive line, and, and they didn't want to spend money there, and it's showing. You you pay for you get what you pay for. And if the Dolphins want to play football like that, well, they're going to play football like that. You spilt good Jay Ajayi not being able to get anything going. Another guy who has not been able to get anything going is Julius Thomas. And, and is Julius Thomas washed up? Is he done in the NFL? Here's what Adam Gase had to say. It's hard to evaluate guys after two games, but are you getting what you need from Julius Thomas? Yeah, we just haven't got we haven't got the coverages that makes him a difference maker. Might be part of the reasons why we're not getting it. You know, when you flex him out and you put a safety or linebacker on him, that's that's a good that's an advantage for us. And we really haven't seen that and we've seen a lot of zone coverage. And you know, we need to, you know, if we're more efficient in the passing game, then maybe we start seeing some things where it's too high, and now we can get Jay going, you know, because 
seems like really a lot of times we're still running against an eight-man box or seven-man box, depending on the personnel. And we just have to do a great job. We got to win our one-on-one -on -one matchups and find some ways to pop some guys free and just try to find some consistency. So here's what I find interesting before we go into the details about Julius Thomas. He played only 59% of the snaps on Sunday. Anthony Bassano played 46% of the snaps. That does not add up to 100, but they were on the field at, at the same time, uh, a few plays here and there. Thomas, is, Thomas played almost all the snaps week one or week two versus the Chargers. That got cut in half this past week, which is interesting because the Dolphins were behind and they needed to pass, and they still didn't put – Julius Thomas in there. He only played 37 snaps, 24 passing, 13 running. Week one or week two, 65 snaps. But Julius Thomas, according to Pro Football Focus, has been on a decline since his breakout year in 2013. It has not ever, he has not ever had a better year than 2013. 2014, a grade of 79.8, almost even there. Then a tremendous drop-off in 2015 of 60.4. And then in 2016, a 58 and a half. And now this year, a 45.8. His run block rate is pathetic, 37 and a half. His pass block grade a little better, 71.2. We saw it. We saw Fasano get more snaps this past week. I think that trend continues. I think this is one of the changes that Adam Gates is talking about. Julius Thomas ranked 48th in the league out of all qualifying, qualifying tight ends, which is 62. So really, you know, something not to be very proud of if you're Julius Thomas. And for you, Sutton, do you think that uh, Julius Thomas is washed up or do you think he just needs to get back into rhythm here? Yeah, impossible question to answer at this point. But it was, you know, we, we had talked to Randy McMichael a couple of times before the regular season started and asked about this tight end group and, he seemed pretty high on him, so it's kind of hard to go against him at this point considering how many different things went wrong on Sunday. At the same time, Julius Thomas isn't getting separation, and we're running out of down and distance and different scenarios to use him, like Adam Gase said. I mean, we just haven't been in many situations where, you know, especially in the red zone. We haven't been able to use him in the red zone. I, I think that we would have liked Anthony Fasano is no joke. I mean, he's, he can block. That's, that's what he can do. We knew coming into this season that Julius Thomas wasn't coming in to block. So the fact that he's lost a little bit, maybe from a pass catching standpoint, shouldn't be really that shocking. So Anthony Fasano coming in, being able to block, excellent against the pass and against the run and be able to make timely catches. And there was one play that opened up Travis Wingfield, put it on, on Twitter where he was wide open. If that was the read, that could have been a touchdown. But anyway, Anthony, Anthony is more than serviceable. And I think he can, uh, he could do something at tight end. So if we do make that, that change, like you said, MC money, I don't think, our offense is going to miss that much. Anthony Vassano was the highest run blocking tight end in 2016, according to Pro Football Focus. Currently has a pass blocking grade of 65.7, a run blocking grade of 48.2. But I do think that trend continues. 
until uh, Julius Thomas kind of shakes out his funk here. But like you said, and like Adam Gates said, the Dolphins are seeing a lot of zone coverage. And that is not Julius Thomas. That's not where you're going to find the mismatches. So the Dolphins need to beat zone coverage first. Then they need to open up the field and get the opposing uh, defense to really change what they're doing in order to try to stop the team. Another guy who many people on Twitter were saying was washed up after Sunday's game, even though they've been praising him since preseason, is none other than quarterback Jay Cutler. And here's what Adam Gase had to say when a reporter asked him if he's concerned about Cutler. When you described that uh, Cutler is looking rusty on Sunday, he had such a long layoff this summer. Is he still behind? I don't think he's behind. I just, you know, he got, he got hit earlier a couple times. You know, I, I think he was trying to, trying to get out of the pocket a few times. Maybe instead of pushing up, he started to escape, you know, and a couple balls didn't come out as good as he wanted. The first play of the game, that, that was really on me. I, I, had, I should have had him set up sooner, and we would have been in good shape, and he would have been able to throw a better ball. The guy was coming right at him and kind of threw it off his back foot. Some of it is, you know, just kind of time. We just got to keep getting better and keep working on stuff, and, you know, I, I felt good going into the game with, with what we were doing, passing game wise, and how we were throwing the ball around. And even though, you know, Jarvis and Devontae missed some time in practice, I still felt good about it. But we just didn't, we weren't crisp. We, we just, we weren't clicking. So there you have it about Jay Cutler. Jay Cutler, here's the interesting thing. Right now he's the uh, 22nd ranked quarterback with a grade of 66.3. Now, here's where it gets interesting. In 31 dropbacks under no pressure, Jay Cutler was 22 of 31 for 194 yards and one interception for an NFL quarterback rating of 73.9. In 17 dropbacks under pressure, he was 4 of 13 for 26 yards and one touchdown for an NFL quarterback rating of 65.9. So that tells you right there, under no pressure, he thrives. Under pressure, he doesn't thrive. So how are you going to get to Jay Cutler? You're going to blitz him. Here's where it gets even more interesting. When Cutler threw the ball in two and a half seconds or less, he completed 19 of 25 passes and had a rating of 87.4. When he threw the ball in 2.6 seconds or more, he completed seven of 19 passes and had a rating of 47.7. Now that's interesting because you would think that these two would be flipped because when you're getting blitz, you think you want to get rid of the ball a little faster. When you're not getting blitz, you have more time in the pocket. Hopefully you can hang on to the ball a little more, but when he was under no pressure, he completed more passes, threw for more yards. But when he threw the ball in 2.6 seconds or more, he had a rating of 47.7. Now, when he was blitzed, he had a 26 yards passing on 13 attempts. But when he threw the ball in 2.5 seconds or less, he completed 19 of 25 passes and had a rating of 87.4. That does not add up to me. So in that regard, it makes me feel a little better. I mean, if that was adding up, then the book is out on Jay Cutler for this season. Blitz him, blitz him, blitz him. Attack the offensive line for the Dolphins, and, and they're not going to stand a chance. But for me, and I don't know if I'm reading this data wrong, Sutton, but for me, that's telling me that there was something more going on in this game versus the Jets. Well, it's probably a little bit of both. I mean, I, I didn't like his pocket presence on some plays, and – Adam Gates mentioned it, that he, instead of climbing up maybe a little bit when he had some room, decided to backpedal instead and try to throw an off-balance pass. And 
we know how those passes turn out most of the time. So yep. definitely some fundamental things that need to be uh, cleaned up as we go forward. But with the whole offensive line quarterback exchange there, it's really it's really tough to see what's going on just because that Jets game is such an anomaly and we've only played two games. So the offensive line looked a little bit different against a much more imposing, I think, defensive line from the Chargers, but did not handle what the Jets did very well. So it's really hard to make sense if it's a, if the root of the concern is the offensive line and their, maybe it's their communication. But like you said, if the stats play out like they are right now, as a Miami Dolphin offensive coordinator, if you're Adam Gase, you're expanding that hot route package. You're expanding what the offensive line can do at the line of scrimmage in terms of making adjustments based on what they see. So, Again, it's it's a game of cat and mouse. So if we've already shown weakness in this area, then we need to become a soldier at it. And if we're not able to make those adjustments, and it will be a long season on offense, that's not to say that this this Jets game that we just saw, that that's the only downfall that we're going to see. Because we saw last year, we saw them play horribly against Cincinnati and then come back and play horribly against Tennessee. So we don't even know what's going to happen against New Orleans. There's going to be a lot of questions after that game, I would imagine. And um, the NFL is certainly week to week. We know that for sure. Although we all made a mistake last week by being so confident. Absolutely. And if anything, last week reminded everybody that there's a reason this this league thrives on parity and that's because anything can happen on any Sunday and so we definitely have some things to work on on an offensive line and we definitely have some things to work on from a a rhythm standpoint and that's not to excuse the wide receivers too because they weren't getting great separation so you can't throw just the quarterback and the offensive line under the bus I mean this is this is a cohesive unit here and if wide receivers aren't getting separation, then quarterbacks have to hang on to the ball longer, which makes the offensive line have to block longer, which is in nobody's best interest. So I think, again, there's equal blame to go around. For me, with Jay Cutler, there was kind of a light bulb moment on Monday, and I'm kind of mad at myself that I didn't think of this before. But the quarterback coach for the New York Jets is Jeremy Bates. Jeremy Bates Bates is in the NFL after not coaching for five years. But here's here's where it gets, and I'm using this word interesting a lot when we're talking about Jay Cutler, because a lot of people are putting him (laughs) on the cross and crucifying him for this game on Sunday, and and it, it shouldn't. He's getting a lot more blame than he should, but that's the quarterback position in the NFL. When the quarterback goes through the quadrants on the field, it becomes a tricky situation. <laughs> I see what you did there. That was awesome. <laughs> so, that was awesome. You like that? So uh, yeah. 2006, Jeremy Bates was the offensive assistant quality control coach for the Denver Broncos. Jay Cutler was on the Broncos in 2006. In 2007, Jeremy Bates got promoted to the wide receivers quarterbacks coach 
for the Broncos. Jay Cutler was still there. 2008, Jerry Bates was the quarterback coach for the Broncos. Jay Cutler was still there. 2012, Jeremy Bates goes to the Chicago Bears as the quarterback's coach. Jay Cutler is with the Chicago Bears. And now 2017 until now with the New York Jets. Jay Cutler said when he came out of retirement, there was only one other person he'd come out of retirement for. And that's none other than Jeremy Bates. When you spend, in Jeremy Bates' case, a total of four years with Jay Cutler, then that, that is, you know, you know someone like a book. And even though there was plenty of time separated in between, it's, it's still the same. Um, you, you get to know the person. You understand who they are. You understand their weaknesses. You understand their tendencies. And I am sure that Jeremy Bates laid out the book for Todd Bowles on his defense and said everything to do. And, and Sutton, do you think that had anything to do with it on Sunday? I mean, there's – there's no question. I'm sure it had some factor in it. I mean, that's do you why. Think I, do you think I'm over hyping it up? I mean, I don't know that he is the game plan genius that you might be creating him to be, but any insight is vital. And that's why getting a division rival and free agency or, or, or something like that, that, that helps get insight into an opponent that you play on a regular basis. And, it's an information-driven league, so if you can get more information on somebody else, that's easily uh, a help in the game plan. And, and you know the Jets were probably looking at this game like, here's where we make our mark. Here's you know, here's where we're going to make a stink. And it, it almost had a feel like a Rex Ryan type of game where the Jets were. You just felt like they were going to do anything they had to do to win that game, and clearly they did. Well, they didn't have to work that hard. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's move on from the Jets. Do you have any last words on the Jets before we move on to the Saints? No, no, absolutely not. Let's move on. Get this shit. Yeah, we 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 spent our, a lot of time in our rearview mirror. Yeah, we spent a lot of time on it. We spent you know a good amount of time, but I, but I think it was therapeutic in a way but it also helps us build into Sunday's game against the Saints. Before we get into the Saints, so let's take a few callers. We have two callers on the line waiting very patiently. Area code 5119. Thank you for calling Finsider Radio. What is your question? Hi, uh, it's John Hi. from Ontario, Canada. How are you doing, guys? Oh, we have a Canadian hey, on the line. How are you doing, John? Yes. <laughs> very good. I love your show, guys. I just want to let you know I, I listen every week, and uh, I, I know I think some of you went to that game on Sunday. I feel really bad for anybody that had to watch <laughs> that in, in person. But um, I, my question is just briefly uh, to do with Cutler. Uh, it wasn't it – wasn't, you know, one of his down games, he has up games and down games as kind of what he's known for in his career. Um, my question to you guys is how long, if we get a bunch of down games in a row, do you think, or what is the scenario that has to happen for them to go to Moore? Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Good question, John. I'm going to put you on mute because that's, I believe, your first caller. Um, John, my wife loves Canada. She wants to move there. She wants to go on vacation every year to Canada. We live in Connecticut, so we hit up Niagara Falls. We've hit up Montreal. We've hit up Quebec City. I know you're in Ontario, so a little further away. But, uh, yeah, she loves Canada. So maybe next time you come to Canada, I'll say hi. All right. So so for Matt Moore, I mean, I mean the tough part about this, John, 
is the money factor, right? I mean, the Dolphins are paying Jay Cutler $9 million. So for them to turn to Matt Moore, that's saying, oh my God, we made a huge financial mistake that wrecked our team because one, we can't give an extension to Jarvis Landry. Two, we can't chase other players like Richard Sherman perhaps because we can't afford a salary. And, but there might become a time where the Dolphins need to say, we're done. We're done with you, Jay Cutler. And I'm sorry, it's not $9 million, it's $10 million. And they're paying him $5 million guaranteed this year. I mean, they could cut him at any point during the season, and they'll have $5 million in dead money and $5 million in cap savings, so it'll be a hit. Um, but, but I think Sutton would be better fitted to answer this because he is their quarterback and Jay Cutler guru. So, Sutton, what do you think? Now, we know the only quarterback guru is House, and unfortunately he's not <laughs> here tonight. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did, I did want to mention to um, everyone out, out there, actually, that despite the existential heartbreak that I had watching the Dolphins lose, I did learn something uh, culturally about our neighbor to the north, and that's they are not legally allowed to tailgate. And uh, Kathy and I, who are tailgating, happen to have a Canadian couple walk in front of us. And, of course, we are all attractive people. So we are (laughs) able to entice this Canadian couple to come play beer pong with us. Nice. And so so they were partying with us a little bit, and that's how that came out, that they're not allowed to tailgate. So this was actually their first tailgate ever. So I, I felt some kind of way. So, you know, we brought the beers out and tried to show them as much of a American welcome as we could. Um, but to, to his point, I, I yeah, I, I don't know how quick you pull the trigger on more. I, I would imagine that's going to be a very slow trigger to pull. Yeah, I think it will, John, just because of the money tied up in Cutler. And, and I don't think the Dolphins want to admit that mistake so early on in the season, but we'll see. We'll see if it's halfway through and the Dolphins are doing nothing. They might tell Jay Cutler it's just best if you retire and walk away. So we'll see. John, thank you for calling. Call again, please. Thank you very much. Let's bring on our next caller, area code 209. Welcome to Finside Radio. What can we do for you? Hey, guys. Uh, sorry I missed the first part of the show. Just got out of class. I'll have to re-listen to that. But okay. uh, are you, how worried are you guys about uh, – Drew Brees against our secondary. Um, I'm hoping, you know, the offense wasn't running the ball. We weren't throwing the ball very well. So I'm expecting that to turn around and have a pretty good performance. I'm just hoping that we can keep uh, Drew Brees to a a reasonable amount of points. Do you think it's reasonable to keep him under 24-ish points with our secondary? (laughs) And are we going to get a pass rush on him? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, Kai. And, and thank you for calling. Hope class was fun. I hope you learned a lot and didn't do anything stupid in class. <laughs> but uh, Drew Brees is on fire right now. The dude has a PFF grade of 88.7. His overall position rank of all quarterbacks in the NFL is number three. I mean, his pass grade is 88.5 right now. Uh, a dude is on fire right now. I know that Saints ha- are, are, are struggling in terms of their record because of their defense and because Drew Brees doesn't really get going sometimes until the second half but he can turn it on in a snap of a finger. So the Dolphins really need their offense to step it up. And, and I just have flashbacks every time we play the Saints, right? It always feels like the same thing. You think the Dolphins offense is ready to break out and keep up with the Saints, and it doesn't happen. I remember when the Dolphins were 3-0, and the Saints were 3-0. and 
Joe Phil yeah, was one of the I was gonna say that. Hill, that, what was it that Monday night yeah. game and we're all pumped yeah, it was up a Monday night game. here's here's it the like time 2000, it was Tannehill's second year Tannehill's second year and uh we're all pumped up oh this is the time it's all been turned the corner and they get slaughtered by the Saints so <laughs> and Willie Steen is coming back but I don't think he's gonna have a huge role uh according to Sean Payton he's just getting back from the suspension but you got to deal with Michael Thomas you got to deal with Brandon Coleman. You got to deal with Ted Ginn. I mean, all these guys present nightmares for the Dolphins defense. So it's gonna if the Dolphins are going to win, it's going to be a shootout. Can they hold the uh, Saints to 24 points? They could if the Dolphins can get their running game going and chew up the time of possession. I think that's the only way the Dolphins win this game. But we'll see. That's why they play the game. Kai, thank you for calling. Have a great night. All right, let's go to the last thread. Sutton, do we have any questions in there? Yeah, we got a couple. Actually, I got one from James. I'm not going to bring it up right now, but James, you remember James McKinney? Remember that guy? Yeah, yeah. Who's that guy? <laughs> yeah, he decided to ask a question tonight, but he's stirring the pot, so I'm going to ask something different. And Joe Daytona Dolphin asks, what changes do you expect Gase will make to bring this team back to life? Should I, th- should I throw that to you? Should I take that? How do you want to do that? No, I want to see what you think. We already mentioned a possible change at tight end. We already ma- mentioned a possible change at guard. You could also start to see instead of – you could still see Fasano replacing Julius Thomas, but you could also start to see some more snaps from Jakeem Grant. You could see some more snaps from Kenyon Drake. Uh, they haven't been incorporated into the offense that much at this point. It's been a pretty basic install so far from what I can tell. So you might start to see some more specialized packages with some of those guys involved. On defense, I, I don't see a whole lot of big surprises. So it's really going to come down to the defensive line getting some pressure on Breeze. If if we don't get to Breeze, he's going to pick us apart. There's just no uh, question around it. So we have to be able to uh, get some pressure there. But on on the edge, uh, I mean, rather on the perimeter, we have to be able to cover these guys for at least a couple seconds to allow our pass rush to get there. So if we can stay with those guys, we'll be okay. But if they're getting separation like the Jets wide receivers were, it's going to be a long day. Yeah, and, and some other questions there I, I see on a live thread. Uh, the Saints, someone asked Mike Hawk. Jeez, um, I, I can't believe you say that. On, <laughs> Wait, on say that every again? Single, what, what was every single time. Yeah, I'm not saying it again. <laughs> That's why I love it. <laughs> the question was, did the Saints run a 4-3 or a 3-4? The Saints run a 4-3. So, so the Dolphins will get a break from the 3-4 there. Uh, I see a, a few good questions here from Redwood. Is there anything that can be done to yeah, stop Colors from throwing on his back foot? No, I don't think there's anything that can be done. That is who he is. He's a gunslinger. He's like Brett Favre in terms of just throwing it up there. That's who he is. Got to live with it. We have to take the good and the bad. Uh, it seems obvious to me that Case chose to lift Timmons' suspension because defense got pushed around something against the Jets. Does this give Timmons some sort of leverage on Gates now? No, Redwood, it does not because Timmons has forfeited $4.5 million guaranteed money next season. Uh, there is absolutely no leverage that Timmons has on his organization. He is a walking 
and sitting duck. He has this season guaranteed in Miami and this season guaranteed only. And then Stephon Anthony, did he play any snaps against the New York Jets? Let me just take a look at this uh, snap chart here. I don't see anything for him. The Dolphins did say in their press conference, Adam Gates said that they're still trying to find the role for him. They have a pretty good idea of how they want to use him. We'll see if he plays against the Saints on Sunday. And um, with Anthony, I think it's more depth. And I don't think the pick looks bad considering just how bad the Dolphins defense is. All right, let's talk about the Saints. I know we're getting late into the show, and I hate that we can only spend about 10 minutes on the Saints, but it is what it is. First off, let's talk about Adam. Let's, let's listen to Adam Gase talk about how he thinks is the best way to attack Drew Brees. Listen in. What can't you do to have success against Drew Brees? Well, if I had the answer to that, I'd, I'd be a lot of people would be searching, you know, coming to me for that one. But you do the best you can. You want to keep everything in front of you. You want to make sure that you put as much pressure on them as you can and try to collapse the pocket, make it tough for them. I mean, just watching, you know, that last game, just the way, you know, it looks one way, resets, and then throws just an absolute dime 48 yards down the field for a touchdown. I mean, you know, he his ability to throw the ball is, is still as good as it's ever been. And, you know, you just really have to try to, try to really disrupt this timing and cover up those first progressions and give the D-line a chance to get there. Um, he's, I mean, it's just a, he's a tough matchup. So he doesn't have any answers, it seems like. I mean, you can only hope to contain Drew Brees. You're not going to stop him. And I can't remember the last time a team did stop him. I mean, a team will look like it stopped him for the first half, and then he turns it on in the second half. It's just getting pressure on him, making him make bad decisions, and really trying to get him off his game there. But with the weapons that he has on the offensive side of the ball, it's very tough for any team to really stop Drew Brees. And I just went over it. Drew Brees with a PFF grade of an outstanding 88.7, third in the NFL. Sutton, your thoughts on stopping Brees, if there's a way. (laughs) Yeah, they're really – there's no way. I mean, I, I kind of mentioned it earlier. You have to get a pass rush on them, preferably from different uh, angles, uh, from different points of view, just to kind of throw them off as much as possible. But this is going to be one of those defensive game plans that I, I don't think the defensive coordinator is going to be terribly worried about how many yards is given up. It's going to be how many turnovers we can generate. And the Saints have been known to generate some turnovers. So that's going to be the name of the game come this Sunday. Can we force some turnovers, which we have not been able to do? Uh, we, we did force that fumble late in the game against the Jets. I don't know how much that's worth. I mean, I, I, I know it shows up, and I, it was a good play by Byron Maxwell and good play by Mike Hall to pick it up, but we need to make these plays when the game is still undecided for the most part. So we need to show up early and we need to have a little bit of a more smash mouth mentality against the saints. If we let them run their finesse game, 
and their wide receiver screens are working, their halfback draws are working, and Sean Payton is on a roll, then that's going to be an impossible offense to stop. But if we can stymie them at different parts in the game, whether it be a turnover, whether it be a key sack, whether it be a fumble, that's what we need. We need to force some turnovers. This game is going to be one in the trenches. And for the Dolphins, unfortunately, it's not a favorable matchup. According to Pro Football Focus, they track a pressure rate. And this is the percentage of passing snaps in which a pressure is yielded on offense. And the higher the number, the worse uh, that it is, of course. The Saints is, are at 4.8%, which is ninth best in the NFL. For comparison, the Dolphins sit at 11th uh, worst in the NFL. So they're towards the bottom. They're ranked right there uh, towards, the, towards the end with a 5.6%. So, so that is certainly not good. But if the Dolphins do somehow manage to get pressure on Drew Brees and the Saints, the percentage of pressures that are converted for stacks for the Saints are 13%. So while some, most of the other league is at 20% or so, the opportunity is there for the Dolphins to, to create some pressure there for Drew Brees and the Saints. Now on the defensive side of the ball, right? So Miami attacking, attacking the Saints here. Miami, you know, the pressure rate, the percentage of passing snaps in which a pressure is generated on the defensive side of the ball, we're looking at 6.10%. And when you compare that to the rest of the NFL, where do the Dolphins stand in that? Well, to take a look at that, you just got to obviously sort the data there and then go, you know, you look at the largest number, and they're right in the middle of the pack at 6.10. They're a little more towards, you know, the the 10, the 11, 12 range, but they're right in the middle there. If you really want to count it down, they're at 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. So they're right in the middle. The Saints are at uh, 16 there with 6.3%. So it's really tough to, you know, kind of going to be an even matchup there on the uh, offensive defensive line when you break it down in terms of grades. You, you see that the Saints um, at the left tackle, they have Andres Pete with a position rank of 50 and an overall grade of 47.7. Their center, Max Unger, a grade of 48.3. So the pressure is going to want to come from the middle. And uh, Senio Clemente, overall grade is 64.9 at left guard. Larry Warford, overall grade is 72.9 at right guard. And Ryan Ramzik, overall grade of 75 at right tackle. So their offensive line is not awful. Their offensive line is decent. And the Dolphins really need to figure out how to attack there. Now, the good news is this. William Hayes has a grade of 84.2. Nadamakin Sue has a grade of 91.1. Jordan Phillips, who the Dolphins are hoping to get back, has a grade of 69.1. Cameron Wake, a grade of 81.5. So the hope there is that the Dolphins are able to convert all that. And then plus adding Lawrence Timmons back into the mix, hopefully add some pressure there. So, and if you had to pick where this game is going to be won, is it in the trenches or is it in the secondary? Oh gosh. I really don't have that much hesitation thinking that we can make them one dimensional, but even if we do and Drew Brees is just slinging it around, do we have enough to even compete against that? So, that's the real question mark there is how does the pass rush secondary interplay, how does that shake out on Sunday? Because if we can get the pass rush there or the secondary, and we've been seeing them play that off-man coverage the first couple of weeks, and I think a lot of Dolphins fans are like, are, are, 
we ever going to play this press man that we've talked about and actually u- utilize the size of Byron Maxwell? Because clearly the off man, this stuff isn't working for him because he just gets shredded. So can we at least play Xavier and Byron closer to the line of scrimmage and just see what happens? Are we worried about the, the safety play there? So I think it's going to be the secondary, to be honest with you. If, if we can – if we can keep close and let the pass rush get there, I think we'll be okay. But if they're getting separation like the Jets wide receivers, we're, we're going to be in a, in, a, in a track meet, and I don't know that that favors us. And the Dolphins do not match up well against the Saints. If you look at you know the quarterback, if you look at the, in the terms of fantasy stats and you look at it from that perspective, Miami has given up the second most points to the quarterback uh, position throughout the fantasy season thus far a dream for Drew Brees on the flip side you also look at well the Jets gave up the most points to running backs in the first two weeks and they destroyed JHI so you you just hope that things don't click for Drew Brees on Sunday in London running back same thing you're giving up 33.1 points per game to running backs and you know the Dolphins' run defense is pretty good, but and honestly, and honestly, that's probably our best defense against Drew Brees is to get Jay Ajayi established. Because if we can control that time of possession, like you said earlier, if we can keep Drew Brees off the field, keep them from getting in that rhythm that we could not find against the Jets, then we're looking at a better landscape of a game. Yeah, and the Saints they give up the nineteenth. Uh, points to quarterback, 15 points per game, 23 uh, ranked, 19.3 per game to running backs. But Adam Gase, here's what he had to say about the run defense and how it could possibly turn over into the Saints game. Take a listen. Only two games sample size, but the defense is allowing 3.1 yards per carry. Big improvement from a year ago. What's going right in that area? You guys are doing their job. We're having less missed tackles. We had more yesterday than what Obviously, we had the first game. I think we had nine yesterday. We had two the first game, somewhere around there. And, you know, that's really the biggest improvement we've had. You know, even even last game, we just felt like we can get that five or under. That's that's really what we want to be at. And I think guys are taking a lot of pride in it. I think the D-line's doing a great job trying to, you know, they're eating up so many double teams, you know, with the tackles. You know, we just got to make sure we fit everything right. And then, you know, when we got them stopped for two, let's make it two. You know, we can't have a good play and we're hitting the guy at one or two yards and then they're still gaining four or five. So there was a couple of times where Matt called some really good defenses that we should have negative plays on. And, you know, we got to make sure that we, we make that count. So the Dolphins have quite a few players on the defense side of the ball who are stepping up this season. And Lawrence Timmons, again, should help bring some calm to the defense. But Ndamukong Sue, for example, for the second straight week, according to PFF, was the highest graded player on the team with an overall grade of 87.8, ranked third of all interior defensive linemen in the league. Particularly dominant in the run game, 89.3, and for the season, his overall grade of 91.3, and run defense grade of 92.2, which is elite levels, ranked second for all defensive interior linemen. Cameron Wake making a short comeback there from his poor game against the Chargers. He earned a grade of 86.4 against the um, Jets, 
which was the third highest for all edge defenders in week three. Against the Jets, he recorded a quarterback sack, a hit two hurries and four stops, as he made an impact both rushing the passer and defending the run, which is very encouraging to see. It's going to be tough. It's going to be a tough game. I am not coming out here and, and pounding my chest and saying that the Dolphins are going to come out here and smoke the Saints because they're not going to. I don't think they're going to. But then again, this is why you play the game. I tweeted out the other day, I mean, the Dolphins have been through a ton, and Adam Gase does not want to hear the excuses. And Rob Caruth, I see your questions, and I know we answered a bunch of them already throughout the show. We're going to get to one of them before we head off the air tonight. But the Dolphins have traveled. I'm just trying to find the exact number here that the Dolphins Public Relations Department released. It's like 16,000-something. It's, it's an insane number. It's over 16, just over 16,000 miles traveled in the first three weeks of the season. That is more than 14 NFL teams will have throughout their entire season. So when you talk about unfair and talk about bad scheduling by the NFL league office, that's horrific scheduling and the dolphins are owed big time as they move into the future but back to the pass rush Dominican sue since he entered the nfl as a first round pick in 2010 he leads all interior linemen with stuffs with 49 and a half stuffs a stuff is defined as any tackle of a ball carry behind the line of scrimmage during a rushing attempt he's so dominant there the next guy in line kyle williams from buffalo he only has 36 stuffs since coming into the league in 2010. So, so Sue has been a heartbeat of this defense, and he's going to need to continue it if the Dolphins want to have any chance against Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, it'll be so a big I, part of making them one. It'll be a big part of making them one-dimensional, like I mentioned earlier, controlling the, the interior of that defense, and that's going to be – the primary spot I think you're going to be able to affect Drew Brees. He's kind of like Tom Brady in the sense that his pocket presence is pristine. So unless you can get there in a flash on the edge, the best pressure to get on him is in the interior because that's going to make him reset. And you you heard Adam Gase say that he reset and threw a 48-yard touchdown. So it's not like that's a guarantee to even – put a dent in this guy, but at least you're making him reset, make another read, and hopefully that read is a, not a promising one. But the way Indomitian Sud has played, can't ignore that. He's played at a very high level both games, and that contract is not looking as bad as it used to, right? No, no, and we knew that would happen as well. All right, let's go to some Twitter questions here before we wrap up the show tonight from Rob Caruth. Uh, do you think Tankersley might stay seeing some time on the field? He's been inactive the first three weeks, two weeks, I keep on saying three weeks, two weeks of the season. He, he played well in preseason, I thought. I'm not sure why he's not getting any run, but I think if the Dolphins' defense continues to struggle, the Dolphins will have no choice but to put him in and let him develop on the fly here. And why does this team have such a hard time putting an offensive line together? I said it earlier in the show, Rob, they get what they pay for. They are a Adam Gase. And Mike Tannenbaum don't want to pay guards. This is what we get. And that's just the way it's going to be under this regime unless they drastically shift their uh, outlook on the offensive line. 
Esteban Sabreros, does it say something that Gase is still bitter about the loss days later? A coach's mind with the heart of a fan. Yeah, Esteban, it does say something. It says that he cares, but you also want to see that coach move on from that game and start preparing for the next game. They tell the players 24 hours, win or lose. You want to see a coach win or lose as well, but I understand that the reporters are asking him the questions about the Jets game, and he is very pissed that his offense is not producing the way that he thinks it should. I don't think the bees, uh, the bees, <laughs> I don't think the Saints will beat the Dolphins on the ground on Sunday. I think the Dolphins will contain them as much as they possibly can. If the Saints are going to win this game, it's going to be in the air against the Miami Dolphins secondary because the defensive line cannot get enough pressure on Drew Brees. They need to get him out of sync, out of rhythm early and often. The Dolphins want to win this game. They're going to need to control the clock. They're going to need to have Jay Ajayi run wild in his hometown of London. And really, you know, keep Drew Brees off the field as much as they possibly can. It might turn out to be a shootout. It most likely will turn to be a shootout. Jay Cutler is more than capable of handling a shootout. It's just a matter of which offense are we going to get, which Jay Cutler are we going to get, and which Miami Dolphins, unfortunately, we're going to get. Son, any last thoughts on the game coming up on Sunday? No, just a quick mention from the live thread. Uh, 39 is the number one. He's a frequent commenter on the live thread, and he had mentioned that I had jinxed everything (laughs) with my picture. And uh, just a quick background story. Saturday, while I was in New York, we went to a beer festival, and there happened to be like four garbage trucks lined up in a row. And so I took a picture next to the garbage truck claiming that that was the Jets team posing with me and yes that proved to be a disastrous jinx and I will take full responsibility for the loss and I hope you can all forgive me so it's all Sutton's fault that the Dolphins lost on Sunday it's my fault as well according to many on Twitter that's why we're not making any predictions (laughs) this week here on Insider Radio we are going to give you our analysis of the game like we just did and we are going to enjoy the game and not do anything stupid that's going to get us in trouble so we do hope you enjoyed Pinsider Radio this week. We hope you enjoyed our analysis, our breakdown of both games, and we hope that you will join us again next week live on Finsider Radio next Wednesday, 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Have a great t- uh, night. If you're listening to this in the afternoon, have a great rest of the day. If you're listening to this in the morning, enjoy your coffee. Enjoy going to the bathroom after your coffee. And enjoy everything <laughs> that you possibly can up until the game on Sunday. Remember, 9.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. You wake up on the East Coast or the West Coast, you enjoy football, then you watch the other football games throughout the rest of the day. For Sutton, the creepy soccer dad, I am MC Money. Thank you for joining Finsider Radio. We'll talk to you next time.
Amazon has everything for back to school. Zebra lunchbox? Check. Cool Adidas gear like t-shirts, shoes, and backpacks? Check. Triceratops folders and pencils? Check. Lasercat t-shirts? Check. Get your back to school shopping done now at amazon.com slash back to school and enjoy free shipping on millions of items. No need to leave your home or hassle with crowds. Amazon.com. No better place to get everything back to school from A to Z. Now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, pick up a bottle of Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale for $7.99. Plus, earn double O Rewards points. Help your engine run smoother and last longer with Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hi, I'm Karis Fisher. I want to tell you about another podcast you should check out. It's called Recode Decode. Every week I talk to tech and media's key players about how they're changing our world. I interview tech executives like Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg, political figures like Hillary Clinton, and media personalities like John Carreyou, who literally wrote the book on Theranos. Once again, the name of the show is Recode Decode, hosted by me, Kara Swisher. You can find it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. See you there.